I'm gonna try putting a bowl of candy out for the kids to this year. Just <laughs> one. The only time it's ever backfired is one year some kid just dumped all of it into his yeah, that's, bag. That's what I would do. Well, you're a bad person. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Autopod Decepticast. This is your bi-weekly podcast that delivers an episode-by-episode breakdown of the original G1 series. This is your host, Aaron, and you know how I love to share tales of the Autopod Decepticast's past adventures. Well, boy, have I got a good one for you today. The year was 1935. I was going through this whole archaeology phase that found me in a booby-trapped shrine in Peru. Well, it was in this temple that I snagged a golden idol and dodged some boulders to escape. But I'm betrayed by my guides, and the idol is stolen by my rival archaeologist frenemy, Ryan. Well, back in the USA, I discovered that the Nazis are kicking it biblically old school in Egypt. Turns out drunk Uncle Adolf is looking for Moses's nighttime novels to try and put his game of risk in hurry up mode. So I went to Nepal to recover the badass cane top of an Egyptian sun god, fight some Nazis and meet up with my ex-girlfriend, Caleb. Hello. Caleb and I just... <laughs> Caleb and I decide to take a romantic adventure vacation to an all-inclusive in Egypt with an excursion planned for the Ark of the Covenant. But what always seems to ruin every vacation? Nazis. Ants. Ryan, Caleb got it right. Plus, it turns out Ryan is working with the Nazis, which actually (laughs) makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, like at a picnic. (laughs) They just come with you to Egypt? Sorry to to interrupt. Okay, go ahead, Aaron. Plus, it turns out Ryan is working with the Nazis, which actually makes sense. Yeah, totally. We we use our sun god Cain to find the Ark's location. Turns out it's in a snake-infested pit. Gotta say, I'm not a fan of that. But of course, Ryan and his Nazi pals, they find us and they shove Caleb and me into that pit and they make off with the Ark. I'm not going to go into details, but Caleb and I escape the pit. We hijack a Nazi truck and make off with the Ark ourselves. Fucking A! We load that bitch onto a steamer and send it to London. But then a goddamn U-boat shows up, takes the fucking Ark and Caleb. God damn it! I hop the sub, hitch a ride to the Mediterranean island, and it turns out Ryan wants to test the power of the Ark before handing it over to Hitler. I got captured by the fucking Nazis and got tied to a post with my lover, Caleb. Ark opened and shit's going down. We avert our eyes and thus we don't get to see the satisfying image of all of our (laughs) Nazi foes face melting and Ryan's fucking head explodes for reals. So we're cool. We head back to the States, cash a big payday. While the art gets moved to a secure facility for study by top men, which confused me. Is it being studied by sexual penetrators or just people who are really into spinning toys? We'll never know. Mm -hmm. My two favorite parts of that movie. Uh, Number two. (laughs) I'm I'm glad we're going up. (laughs) Yeah. Is when he has the fist fight with the big bald Nazi outside of the airplane. (laughs) I kind of like that guy because he's like, all he just wants to do is fist fight. Uh, right. Real basic. Mm-hmm. The, the, and he puts on a big kind of yeah. show of it. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> then he gets then he, he gets hacked up by the propeller blade of the plane. <laughs> and then my number one is the generic like sword 
fighter, mm-hmm. like the crowd part, and the sword fighter's like, oh, yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. then he just pulls out his gun and shoots him. Yes. Do you know the story right. supposedly behind that? Uh, tell me. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Harrison Ford had like malaria or had like the flu mm-hmm. during that shooting those and that he didn't want to do some elaborate fight. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, what if I just shoot him? That's great. Which sounds played like well. Harrison Ford. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a crazy movie when you explain it all in one go like that. <laughs> it's a great movie. I, love I it. haven't. I haven't seen it in forever. I, for, I forget he he somehow stows away on a submarine. I, I'm just happy they made a movie of our life. Yes. Yeah, By exactly. the way, you, for, I didn't. You guys didn't formally I'm introduce Ryan. yourselves. And I'm Caleb, Aaron's girlfriend. <laughs> I don't know how they smushed your head parts back together, Ryan and. Nazi occult science. I mean, yeah, there's plenty of that in these movies, actually. Uh, I have that on Atari. It's a very confusing game. I want to find that warehouse where the Ark is stored and all that other stuff. (laughs) The crates of shit. What else could be in there? Hmm, that's a good question. There's probably some Transformers third-party toys in there. Oh, yeah. The next 10 fans toys releases, but that's a whole bit of politics. We don't need to get... That's not what we're here for, guys. Okay. The uh, oh, speaking of Ark, we're back in the Ark. Mm-hmm. Yes, the original Ark. Yes. How does it feel? Weird. Yeah, little. <laughs> you, no, you're not liking it. It's no, fine. I like it a lot. I just, <laughs> I just, I feel bad for going out in public last night. Oh, <laughs> and I feel like I shouldn't be here. <laughs> I feel guilty. Well, I feel guilty for being in here. I guess I, if we get sick, then you should. <laughs> yeah, I think everything's fine. So we're back in the Ark. We're back in the Ark. By the time the world is hearing this, I'm sure we're celebrating the election of I don't wanna, President Biden. I don't want to talk about it. And uh, That also gives me anxiety right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not feeling good. I had a whole... Oh, man, the next episode really triggered me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was hitting too close to home. I yeah. was watching it. I was watching it, and I was like... Oh, we can talk about it. Yeah. Will, Master but, plans. Oh, okay. I was watching. I was like, oh, this is, this is too... Pre- real <laughs> too real yeah mm. Mm. tf was last weekend virtual mm-hmm. virtual tf we had submitted our it was our tf dc 2019 panel that mm-hmm. we did and so thanks to everybody who watched that i felt like it was a really great response especially there's this peppa pig that was very <laughs> excited and ecstatic asking a lot of sweet questions in our pan- uh, our panel is like the show in that we're making fun of the the movie quite a bit and we had some great little segments and among those segments was a trivia segment that that caleb wrote and produced and hosted and, uh, and interacted with the audience voice actor trivia that's mm-hmm. right and again we challenged the people who are viewing on Facebook and YouTube. Hey, if you, you want to participate in this trivia, just throw some answers out. And if you participated at all, we're going to put you in a drawing for a prize, which is one of our booty boxes. That's oh, a shit. good prize. So about wow. 11 people participated. Caleb, pick a number, random number between 1 and 11. 11. Congratulations to Alicia Williams. Yay. Alicia Williams, if you are listening... Get in touch with the Autopod Decepticast. What if she's not? Well, then, then we'll move to the. Then we'll we, we, we gotta, gotta, we gotta we do this for <laughs> ten more months. How sad would that be? <laughs> we just so, have this unclaimed booty box. So, 
How long do we give her? I say I'm not whenever. doing. I'm not doing thirty drawings whenever. And if she, and if you and if Alicia, unfortunately, if you don't listen, it'll just be sitting here waiting for you until you until take you a picture us. of it all cobwebbed up in a year. In theory, we could reach out on Facebook, but the whole point of it was to say everybody listen to this episode to see if you gotcha. get your name. So, so, th- so she, Alicia's gonna have to listen. She'll have to like. Uh, she'll message us. I and hope she does. Claim it and send us her. Uh, send us yeah. an address that she would like it sent to. That's typically how things get from one place to another. Well, they they, they know, who knows some, some of these booty boxes had a hard time getting places. <laughs> so I just want to. It took two months to get to Australia. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I purchased a piece of artwork from a guy in Britain, and I got it here in the U.S. mail in a matter of five days. Wow, it seems like Britain it gets there a lot faster. But still, took it still a took a month to get to, to, get to, to Britain. Yeah. I like the idea that maybe your booty box had a similar journey as the Ark did in Indiana Jones. <laughs> they had to put it on a submarine. It was on a boat, and then it got high, put on a submarine. Yeah, I it, like it. It was definitely in a storage was, facility for a while. That is without a, a doubt. Nazi truck. Yeah, it was probably put in the same warehouse <laughs> for a while. Cue the music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who participated, who watched that event, and who participated in the little trivia side game that we sort of just improvisationally threw out there so it was a little confusing but I, <laughs> like I said I gathered everybody's names and, and and this is the drawing so congratulations to Alicia reach out hook us up with your address we'll send you some artwork I think uh, one other thing we have to hit on is that it's somebody's birthday it's today. my birthday. It's birthday we're record- <clears throat> recording on my birthday which is Halloween yeah happy Halloween yes Ryan, how many are you? Hold up your 40, fingers to three, show us. Forty and three. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if he held up his hands? There was forty-three gross fingers yeah, coming out. That, awesome. that would be if I were a Family Guy character. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel? Oh, I've never felt great, but it's just getting worse. You know, same old, same old. Fucking every year, I'm like, why? You've been work, but you've been working really hard at your house. I've seen pictures of this, uh, you've been decorating your house for Halloween. Yeah, it looks really awesome. Yeah, thanks. I I love I love making like Halloween props and to- like little things and stuff. And I'm gonna I think I'm gonna get into trying to do some mask making. Interesting, cool. Yeah, there's this also for our booty next booty box. There's a. a, a I'm going to try doing this sort of system of uh, resin molding where you, you sculpt something in clay and then make a, a mold of it and then you cast it in resin. I, and I'm, I think I'm going to try that out. Cool. I love that idea. That I love the idea of getting some three-dimensional objects that aren't pins or... <laughs> In, I guess everything is technically three-dimensional that we put in the booty box, but things that aren't just paper goods. Yeah, I did make up a new <clears throat> pin that I think is pretty cool. Though the 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 jewelry that would make yeah, a good, that, is a great that would also make a just a cool shirt or poster. Yes. Yeah, those are you know that was really cool. I'm pretty great. Yeah, you so guys. this resin and you, and you are and, and this is your birthday, so you deserve to feel um, great for one day. I won't one take day. anything away from you. Although I do want to say, is this resin casting just to make up for the fact that you never figured out 3D printing? Uh, no, this is easier because <laughs> I, I just am not the type of person who likes to fuck. Like, if I can't figure something out immediately, I'm like, forget it. No. Uh, but do you know what? This may or may not stay in. Do you know what I did with the 3D printer? No. <laughs> Threw it away? Uh, no. no. I'm sorry. What'd you do? I sent, uh, well, we were talking to Alpha Magnus, and he was talking about 
if you send it to me, I'll print stuff up for your next box. And so I'm like, all right. Oh, okay. Has he I validated so- that it works? Yeah, I saw he has a video that was on Instagram with it all hooked up and everything. Alpha Magnus. I don't know if he's printed anything up with it specifically, but basically it was a secondary printer for him. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, if I sold it, I would only get like maybe a hundred bucks. Well, then we need to be thinking about what that little piece will be. And now it's on record, so you can't back out, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> as it is your birthday, let me light the candle. My wife was so kind as to give us a nice little birthday spread. You know what's interesting, speaking of birthdays, is... Hold on, hold on. Hold on. let me get a picture of you actually lighting it. <laughs> That'll be exciting for everyone. You were saying? Uh, just that this is, we're recording this on my birthday, and I think it'll come out on your wife's birthday, Aaron. Because we, our birthdays are a week apart. You. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let us sing, Caleb. Would you give me a tone in the key of C? C's my good note. Mm, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ryan. Happy birthday to you. Wow. That was my impression of singing happy birthday over Zoom, but in real life. Oh, is it trying to fuck him up on purpose? (laughs) No. At work, we're in Zoom all the time. In team meetings, there's always a birthday segment. And it's just a funny thing to have 30 people on a Zoom call try and sing happy birthday. (laughs) Fuck that. I would not. It's actually one of the best things in the world. That's cool. As a matter of fact. Caleb, what you got? I have a birthday present for Ryan. Hooray. I got some time ago, and I'm really excited to give it to you. Here it is. All right. There's a box. The wrapping is wonderful. (laughs) Oh, shit. It is... Oh, man, an Unsolved Mysteries figure, spectral Robert Stack action figure <laughs> from Retro Gimmick. Yeah. That's awesome. May I see that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Have you guys been watching this on the Netflix? I did. I haven't seen the new season. Um, I watched the first season of the new show. I The second season of it just came out. Yeah, Melody and I are about four deep in the new season. It's great. That's cool. Thank <clears> you, Caleb. You're welcome. We'll take pictures have, of it. In the new show, they have like ghost Robert Stack. Yeah, in, at, in the the ver- at the end of the title sequence, they just give it a little flash of his of his image. His, yeah. hey. Sweet spectral Robert Stack. Enjoy. Well, happy birthday, Ryan! Uh, why don't you tell us what kind of microscopic chemicals you're going to invite to hop on our evil brain impulses All for right. this week's cocktail? <clears throat> this is the monkey gland. And I did not get this from Jigger Beaker and Glass. This one I just happened to stumble across, and I really liked the name, the origin of which I shall explain presently, but I will tell you what's in it. It is two ounces or 60 milliliters of gin, one and a half ounces or 45 mils of freshly squeezed orange juice, one and a half teaspoons or 10 milliliters of absinthe, or of grenadine, I'm sorry, and a dash of absinthe. And when I say a dash, I mean I put like two eyedropper fulls in the glass, swirled it around, and dumped it out. Which means it's still going to taste like because hardcore black licorice. Because is very <clears throat> powerful, like anise taste, and it'll blow everything else out. Uh, so you do that, and you shake the remaining ingredients in the ice shaker and strain it into a cocktail glass and garnish with an orange slice. It has been brought to my attention by our friend Michael T. from Australia that some of these ingredients are difficult to find. So you can leave the absinthe out, obviously. Um, it has does give like a floral taste that nothing else would really 
give it to it, but it's mm-hmm. fine without it. Um, Probably better. Yeah. Yeah. We'll let well, you know. Well, I don't know. I'll let you know here in a minute. <laughs> okay. There's I'll tell time. you the history after we try it. Okay. Cheers. It looks it looks pretty. Cheers. Yeah. I like anything with an orange slice. Right. Ding. <laughs> Tastes pretty good. Good. It doesn't ha- like have just a, a light sweetness. Yeah. Huge anise taste. Yeah. yeah I like I'm not getting. I'm... I'm not getting kicked in the face by the alcohol. Yeah. I can. T- about... I can taste the anise, but I can't. It's not overwhelming. Yeah, anise. it's a low proof because uh, it's like um, t- you know two ounces of gin and one and a half ounces of orange juice. So hmm, delightful. It uh, the history is this was invented in the 1920s by Harry uh, McElhone, whatever owner of Harry's New York Bar in Paris, France. It's named after a very insane procedure promising rejuvenation and an increase in longevity by grafting monkey testicles to human scrotums. Is that hmm. real? Yeah. That's a real thing that they did for a while. They called it rejuvenation, but I think that Jesus. that's just an old-timey way of saying impotence. Good Lord. Uh, it was proposed by a Russian scientist and dangerous quack named Sergei Voronov, and he started using testicles of executed criminals and grafting them to millionaires. But when demand <laughs> outstripped supply, he switched to monkeys. Good Lord. He died and uh, was relatively discredited. In the, I think he died in the relatively. 50s. Yeah, totally is what I should say. <clears throat> but this ha- he, was, he became very rich off of this. Like he had his own monkey farm at one point. And um, like this was some quack science from like the 20s and 30s that w- they did for a while. One of these days we should go into the Ozarks legend of the Crescent Hotel that uh, and all the weird, oh, the, the weird whack science story. that yeah. maybe save it for next year, next Halloween. But that's that's a crazy story as well. Maybe a cocktail inspired. I'd like to. That. We could, we could uh, someday would like be fun to do an episode down there. Like we're in yeah. Eureka Springs. Someday it'd be fun to do something other than sit in a house all day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I agree. I mean, <laughs> Caleb knows what we're talking about. Yeah, yo. <laughs> yeah, I still am feeling. I went to a COVID party. Yeah, no, I went Everybody's to... licking doorknobs. It's like, yeah, it's like when old-timey parents used to put all their kids in one room so they chicken pass pox. the pox. Yeah. Know. Oh, my. You say old-timey like people don't still do that. Right. Well, fellas, we've got some shouts out, baby. we got a couple of them. Oh, shit. And actually, this, this is pretty exciting. <laughs> this is the kind of thing I've been waiting for for three, four years, however the fuck long we've been doing this. Oh, God. Oh, wow. All right, well, bad We're news. We're going corporate? Bad news. We've been bought out, but I own 100% of the shares, so you guys... Oh, shit, ba- it's a hostile takeover. Back to the ditch with you. <laughs> no, the bad news is that our five-star record has finally been broken awesome. on iTunes. And I don't mean that. <laughs> who, who would... All right. Well, I'll tell you who would. <laughs> We're going to kick things off with username X do not play X. Okay. Headline... <laughs> Don't let kids listen. There is way too much swearing in these podcasts. This is a kid's movie. The people should treat what they say as if kids are listening. I love this movie and was thrilled to see a Minutes podcast about it and tried to hold out. But after 28 episodes... (laughs) What the the fuck are you talking about? I couldn't take the swearing anymore. Please don't let your kids listen to this podcast. One star. Wow. (laughs) It's marked explicit. Is is. this why you asked us if it was not... If it was to make sure it was marked explicit? Yeah, it was double-checking. It's totally marked explicit. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty clear. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure we all have a few things to say, and some of it's definitely going to come off as condescending... But I'm just trying to help you protect your children. But as 
as the team alluded to, with it in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, with every single release on every single platform that shows and the overall show and the episodes are all marked clearly labeled parental advisory or explicit. So. Whether it's our podcast or another, if you see that little E and you don't want your kids to hear it, you should probably skip that. Right. What is funny is that he's not even like in. He's not even saying that he had kids listen to it. He's just saying I don't like the swearing. That's the gender. The gender is not explicit. They uh, then. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. But I assume that maybe something happened though. But the other thing is. 28 episodes in you know yeah. what like if yeah, you, by episode 28 you're like they said fuck for the 700 uh, yeah i'm wondering like that's really if, strange i'm wondering if this person well first of all the person's using kids as an excuse here but really they don't like the swearing it could be but the way i'm re- interpreting but, it but, but also, they're saying you should treat it as if kids are listening because it's a kids movie a kids movie that by the way has the word damn it and shit in it mm-hmm. yeah so true. you're kind yeah. of starting on shaky ground there but despite the differences of opinion thanks for making it for 28 episodes mm-hmm. yeah but also if you made it 28 episodes you probably deserve at least two stars yeah it's I, true I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking like 28 episodes is a two star adventure. I'm imagining them listening to it about first handful of episodes being like, hmm, they're, they're swearing a lot, but maybe, maybe they'll, it'll change. Maybe it'll get better. Right. After, at the, at after the time, five, our podcasts were shorter, so they were maybe 20 to 30, yeah. 35 to 40 minutes. That's still a lot. Yeah, that's but still, I that's, make like a, a, that's a lot of investment. I make a finger bang joke in episode two. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm sure we cursed in episode zero. I mean, we we're setting the stage pretty early. I can't wait. But for... also, sorry, I just I, I, the idea of using cursing as trying to take away the merit of what you're doing. <laughs> would you give Goodfellas one star? Well, it's, uh, show that to a kid. I wouldn't recommend that either. But these uh, aren't Goodfellas at all. <laughs> <laughs> I they should call this movie Bad Fellas. I can't wait for a review that's like. I hate your podcast. I've listened to every episode. One star. Well, you got a one star. That's a That's righteous great. one star. Review. Luckily, we've got enough in the bank that it only brought us to a four nine. I don't no. know if there's any other decimal. Listeners, that, if I, you want to help us out, five stars, please. Five stars, please. Let's get that. Uh, oh, let's get God, that number back that's up. Hilarious. Anyway, but we're not, do, not going to shout out any other one star reviews, by the way. No, I want to. No, no wait, don't fun. say that. <laughs> if, they're, if, if they're worth mentioning. But I what should. if somebody's just doing it to get on the to, to get some kind of shit if on you, the show? Well, what, what, well they're going to get it if they get a five star. Yeah. Yeah. Do five stars. <laughs> we're not reading any one stars. Well, that we'll it's we'll take we'll depends. take this conversation uh, behind the curtain yeah, yeah. and hash that out. I think it's fun to read one to read bad. Oh reviews. yeah, I want to know about this. But it isn't all bad, fellas. We have another review. Okay, balance it out a little bit on on iTunes. Okay, or I should say Apple Podcasts. I look it up in iTunes on my I computer. Understand. And it's from famous repeat iTunes reviewer Combatiumus two one seven. Uh, you'll recall Combatiumus is the fisherman who pisses off his friends because he's laughing his ass off as they're all trying to catch some smallmouth. And uh, <laughs> most of his comments are targeted at Ryan. He's made such statements as Ryan Jet must be stopped mm-hmm. and a collection video would be awesome, <laughs> as awesome as never hearing Ryan <laughs> speak again. Yeah. He also coined a phrase that I will never forget, which is grandma's giving the suck suck. Yeah. Spelled yeah. S-U-K, S-U-K. Just, yeah, yeah. But he's... He's back. Okay. Or she. I don't know that we've defined gender on this one either, but... They're back in the I mean, saddle. <laughs> so, what, what do they headline, have to say? It's me again, your favorite reviewer. Hi there, Ryan, in parentheses. Oh. 
<laughs> no, I actually, making clear, I think we'd made accusations uh, if they know Ryan personally. No, I don't actually know Ryan personally. You should change your locks. <laughs> <laughs> but since others are doing it, my favorite Transformers are G1 Jazz, Bayformer Starscream, and IDW Starscream. Also, can I hear Caleb's Starscream and Megatron impressions, LOL? Is he making fun of me somehow? No, I think they want to hear, to hear it. And here's a reason why you should grant this request. Sure. By the way, not that you care. If this is releasing October 25th, it isn't, sorry. Then that's my birthday. Love you guys. Keep up the awesome work. So happy birthday, first of all. And by the way, I did wish you a happy birthday on your birthday live when I recorded with Mike Seibert for the third party panel. So, uh, but happy birthday again, belated officially and formally from and the I will find you. And as a gift, Caleb will maybe present to you. I don't want to make you our dancing monkey, but let me crank the organ here for you. <laughs> Starscream, give me the suck suck. <laughs> okay, mighty Megatron. Yay, he did right. it. <laughs> and, and fulfilled a lot of people's fantasies at the same time. It's true. <laughs> Good job, Caleb. Yeah, we we record about three to four weeks ahead, so yeah. we hopefully we can hit you on your birthday request. And thanks for helping balance out the one star <laughs> <laughs> review, Combativus. Actually, I guess you didn't really help balance it out because nope, you already had a five star. But thanks for playing no, anyway. It's, yeah. No, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we appreciate it. Last episode recap, Cybert and the Slosh staff of the APDC surveyed the scary situation that was Red Alert Schizophrenia. So I think you can join us now as we introduce new characters. Yes. And unusual rivalries with microbots penned by David Wise and animated by the magicians mm. at Toei. I will say I was really nervous because it's a David Wise episode and I've been looking forward to this one, but I was scared because so far we're two for two with me becoming infuriated with his writing. I'll just go ahead and say I, I did like this one. This is one of the few that I actually remember. I started watching this and I was really fascinated by them discovering a Decepticon ship and I, that was I guess that really made an impression on me. Yep, that, would, that ship uh, would get to get its name in a uh, Beast Wars episode <laughs> of the Nemesis. Ah. Do we see the Nemesis? Do we see this ship again in the uh, G1 animated series? Or do they just I, I don't know. Blow it, they blow it open, get the thing out of it? It does seem like it. there should be like, maybe you want some other stuff in there, but right. no, I don't know. They no. don't really make or, serial episodes. Or make a goddamn headquarters out of it or something. See, they, they the Decepticons, they don't play like that. They're like, here's a ship that's crashed. Let's live in it. <laughs> they, they build a new base. Right, right. Whereas the Autobots can't figure that they out. just can't leave the trailer I'm surprised park the Autobots they've... don't like start living in this one, too. <laughs> Well, we open up with a couple American archaeologists digging for artifacts in a jungle clearing in South America when the, the boy one finds something, mm-hmm. a beautiful vessel. You owe me $10. In the script, his name is Merrick, but it's never said in the show. <laughs> I also like the Joan. She mm-hmm. does get named. Mm-hmm. Whenever they find this, uh, the, she uncovers the ship and says, I think it's a spacecraft. He goes... But the Mayans didn't have spacecraft. <laughs> well, we're a smidge ahead of ourselves, but also the Mayans didn't exist in South America. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, Just I mean, Central America. We'll give them the... And Mexico. Yeah. Southeastern Mexico and Northern Central America. Joan is trying to neg his find, but not to worry, because as Ryan alludes to, she 
clinks on some metal, and after digging for what must have been days, they're re- <laughs> revealing a solid quarter. That's a lot of digging. A quarter of the artifact, and I, I hate to say it, but this this is some kind of spacecraft. But the Mayans didn't have spacecraft. <laughs> He's so like earnest about it, and and based on where it is in the mountain, it could be millions of years old. Maybe but the Mayans didn't live millions of years ago. <laughs> Everything to him is about the Mayans. She also has some pretty cool like blue hair, yeah, like, like Stormer yeah. from Jim. That's a blue hair is so popular right now with the kids. This is before it's, it's so time. hip right now. Maybe maybe they're taking cues from this episode and we didn't even know it. Yeah, that's what's happening. Decepticon headquarters, attention Megatron. Soundwave is tuned into Fox News, fair and balanced. Yeah, of course he has a camera his, on it. And calls his leader to see the news story of the ship discovered in this Mayan peninsula. Megatron knows this ship. Using he, one of those rock cam- those rock cameras. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, they're watching. So is the idea that there are a rock camera pointed on a television somewhere that's playing this news sure. station? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Megatron knows this ship. He knows what's inside and he must have it. Megatron doesn't make it clear, but and I don't think it's 100% made clear in this episode, but this is the Decepticon ship they came to Earth in. Yeah. Yeah. And as we know, they were all on the Autobot ship when it crashed, and mm. so it veered off and landed, I guess, here. In South America. <laughs> where the Mayans were, <laughs> supposedly. The Decepticons, and it just brings up another question, the Decepticons had to know their ship was somewhere on this planet and had this powerful element in it, and they're just now deciding to Well, I just think they probably knew they couldn't detect it because it was under was. so much rock, maybe. Right. All right. I do kind of like that there's not a lot of expo- – in a way, I like that there's not a lot of exposition about that's the ship that we came here on. I kind of like that he it's just He just says like, it's a Decepticon ship, which yeah. is weird. It's very strange. Yeah. But it's I fine. Mean, I guess it's easy to assume that's their ship. Yeah. Meanwhile, at Autobot headquarters, Perceptor <laughs> is fixing resized microchips while being bullied by Braun – Braun, who thinks that Perceptor's methods are all a form of cowardice. For some reason. is in, Braun is insufferable in this episode. It goes on... A like, I understand... It's sort of... It's like it reminded me of the episode with Cliffjumper and Mirage, yeah, Traitor. Absolutely. Where for, uh, for no reason, Cliffjumper is accusing him, like, Mirage of being... Yeah. What, whatever. Well, they're, they're, same they're, dynamic. Set, they're setting up... They're just forcing the moral, like... Because by the end, of course, Braun's like, this is my new buddy. Yeah, no, I know that's what they were doing. But it's, it's coming on strong. It's too much. Yeah, There's too much of it. Totally agree. Well, I guess they think kids are dumb and you really got to hammer home the setup on that. It's a little know. different as well because Cliffjumper actually has his uh, biases confirmed at different points. Yeah. And not Mirage's fault per se, but... Whereas in this episode, Braun's just a fucking bully for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's <laughs> just an ass. Mm-hmm. Well, Bumblebee steps up, and th- I thought this was cool. He just straight up threatens Braun and knock that shit off. Mm-hmm. But before they can get into a tussle, Optimus Prime actually steps in. He's got a mission for everybody. We got to go to South America. There's something there, something Megatron wants. And if he wants it, we want something too, which is to not let Megatron get what he wants. <laughs> Are you following me? Yeah. Let's drive who, to South America. Who, who yeah. told him that Megatron wants that? <laughs> yeah, that wasn't in the news report, I don't think. Megatron <laughs> called and said he wants that, and he laughed and he hung up. <laughs> I mean, Prime just, I guess, just assumed. Maybe he goes to every news site 
And it's like, what if Megatron wants something here? He's dialed into the Decepticon News Network and it's Soundwave. <laughs> In the news today, Megatron wants this thing out of the ship. This was a good bit. Yeah, I'm glad we did this. <laughs> Perceptor asks to be left behind, and Braun, of course, is going to drop a little bit more shade. This is more validation of his Perceptor is a coward theory. What notes did I have here? How did Prime know something is up in South America? We covered that. <laughs> How do we know Megatron wants it covered that? We already talked about the Mayas in South America. Hey, five-minute Google search, David Wise. That's all you really needed. In 85. Back to South America. Wait. Mayans didn't have Google search. <laughs> okay, go ahead. We are headed to South America. The Decepticons have taken over the archaeology spot. They are clearing the whole jungle. It's really weird. I assume to try and reveal more of the Decepticon ship or I to think find the Decepticon. The, they're the, they're the clearing spot. it. They're intentionally clearing their way and not flying so yeah. that they can go undetected by radar. They're making a road, basically. But well, how did they get here to begin with? They well, they started all the way back at their base, mm -hmm. and they've been clearing a path <laughs> since then. From the Pacific Ocean all the way. Yeah. What I do like here is this, uh, well, this this snake that, uh, mm -hmm. which, you know, everything scale, every, all the scale is wrong because that would be an enormous snake. <laughs> I feel like it's not crazy, though. I mean, anacondas get pretty big. Not that big, but it's not insane. Yeah, I, I like this snake, and in a way, I want a subplot where Starscream actually kind of, like, digs the snake, and the snake, like, digs Starscream, and so Starscream just starts kind of wearing the snake around like all Britney the time. Like Britney Spears, from that bit music video with her, she's wearing a snake. Okay, sure. And then there's even more crossover between Starscream and Cobra Commander. We're getting some... Oh, yeah, like once nice. a man vibes. What I, if that is Cobra Commander? <laughs> the snake was, was a man. Uh, I love how much shit Braun is giving Starscream in this little scene here. Oh, you mean Rumble? Rumble. That's what I meant, Rumble. Yeah. yeah as, so as the team is talking about uh, Starscream and Rumble, they get into a little bit of a verbal tiff. A giant anaconda then drops on Starscream from the trees above. Meanwhile... Ravage and I guess what is also supposed to be a real jaguar yes. also get into a tussle. I don't understand that at all. Like why that's even included? It doesn't make the, any sense because nature's crazy it's out here. It's the jungle. <laughs> yeah, it just goes nowhere and means nothing. Well, yeah, I guess it's just kind of like they're in the jungle. They should just they should just fly. I don't know why. I think it's the I think there is a line where they're like we don't want to be detected. Sure. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, and I guess I guess ultimately they're they have to they're also figuring out a way for the Autobots to get there because that's all they're really doing. Well, because the whole radar Autobots thing never even plays out again, they might as well have just had them fly in and land right yeah. at the archaeology site. Maybe it's, <laughs> this whole scene is really pointless. It's all it, it really does seem like that it's really written so that the Autobots don't destroy the forest on their way in because they use the same road, right? Even though they did that back in right what a, episode <laughs> changing gears, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They just shot at everything. Yeah, they just like jazz, and I can't remember who else was hanging off of Prime, just vaporizing the, the rainforest. Just take the same road that the archaeologists took to get there. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> well, both the snake and feline are ultimately defeated mm -hmm. by their robotic adversaries. It would be nice to do a clearing from the sky, but Megatron insists they must stay on the ground and avoid satellite detection. The Autobots are on their way in, but the, this jungle is dense, fellas. Mm -hmm. And transform and hike, I say. Yeah. As you guys said, 
they were thinking some Autobots considered maybe blasting a trail, but luckily they found a pre-blasted trail. That's not our way. Courtesy of the Decepticons. Follow it and look out for traps. Not our way, but we'll gladly take advantage of it. Which really, uh, taking advantage of things isn't the Autobot way. (laughs) (laughs) Megatron and Scavenger are seeking out an artifact known as as the star drive and based Mm -hmm. on the cybertronic alloys he's picking up it is nearby which again i don't think you need you know that a ship has already been revealed you don't need to have him as a metal detector trying to find this thing you know where it is it's in the ship you just need to find the ship yeah that's true i didn't even think about that it's pretty weird Scavenger is making literal sniffing noises like <laughs> like he's a coon hound. I miss that. <laughs> he's sniffing through his bucket. Yeah, yes. he is. It's it's a lot there's a lot there's a few different things. He's like is he a metal detector or a bloodhound? <laughs> yeah. I think he's a bloodhound. <laughs> We do a quick cut to the dig site from the beginning of the episode. The Decepticons show up. They deliver some warning fire to scatter the humans that are still there. And they approach the ship, open it up with a single pistol blast. And inside is a tiny spiked crystal, the heart of Cybertron. I don't know why they called it the Star Drive earlier, but has many names, I suppose. And and they also call it an energy maximizer. And and that's what's inside the Decepticon ship. Megatron commands Hook to put Put it inside him. It's really weird where he lays down and is like... Put, put it, it in. inside me. <laughs> Very strange. Uh, but yeah, that uh, thing pa- yeah. It basically powered their ship's warp drive is essentially what they're using their star drive to mean. But I see. Feels like it's a dangerous move right off the bat. It seemed, I mean, that thing's designed to power a ship. You it put is, it inside a robot. Come on. We know that that's fucked up. It is interesting they never go the route of it overloading Megatron, which seems like a pretty easy trope go-to. Right. But that never happens. I'm kind of glad. He's kind of got a spot built in his chest for that thing. I have that note. Yeah, like it's... it's, Maybe that's where the Matrix goes? Well, almost like a pre-Matrix kind of thing, because obviously the Matrix doesn't exist until the movie, but it was interesting. There's like a little hole like where Mm -hmm. they put the... I Mm -hmm. think it's just for convenience of somewhere to put it, but it is interesting. There are bits and pieces from this in the next episode that uh, seem like maybe they were taken... Like, just little moments that were expanded into things in the movie. Mm. It does... The the idea that you would put it in a chest and it would just work, it's, it would have to be purposeful. It's not like I can just jam a cheeseburger in my chest and then I'll be able to get the calories. I'll die. Well, true. in the script, <laughs> it does have a longer scene there where they're actually operating on him, but okay. I know oh. for time, they're just like, fucking shove yeah. it in there. Which it doesn't bother me. It's not that I big a deal. Better if he just would have been like, nope, and like, <laughs> eat, and <just laughs> eating it. And then he kind of powers up like Mario. He gets about 40% taller and yeah. Yeah, jumps a little higher. Kind of like how Hot Rod turns into Rodimus. Beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, that did, I'm sure we covered a million times over. Did Hot Rod, was he just born with a matrix hole in his chest? We did. We just discussed whether everybody must have one. Yeah, I, don't I think know. all, right. I think all. Like we've all got a chance yeah. inside at, of us. At least all Autobots do. Right. I guess Galvatron didn't. Good question. He didn't put it in his chest. He just, he just turned. He it just into, rocked it like a Jesus yeah, piece. Yeah. <laughs> he certainly did. Megatron feels the power coursing through his circuits, and he's going to need every bit of it because the world's smallest Autobot attack squad has shown up to stop him. 
And it's no surprise for us that the Autobots didn't decide to use their own element of surprise. They just they we're just here to fight. It. Yeah. <laughs> Megatron fires some purple beams at his fingertips. These beams are so powerful they defy physics. As Optimus Prime falls is forward, knocked forward <laughs> off yeah. the cliff, yeah. and he and the Autobots. It's <laughs> so stupid. But yeah, he's basically Megatron becomes the Emperor from Star Palp- Wars. Yeah, he's Palpatine. I and I didn't realize he was going to use that whole finger shooty thing the, the whole, whole episode. Yeah. I thought maybe it was a one-time thing, and then he'd go to his arm cannon. cannon but no, that's what it, that's what the thing does. It, it lets him <laughs> shoot beams out of his fingertips. I guess, but it's, nothing else. He's just got a murderous manicure. Just meant to illustrate it's a different kind of power. But I thought he was going to use the cannon as well. We go to commercial as we see Optimus Prime quite smoky and injured, and Megatron commencing more finger-based firepower mm-hmm. on the rest of the Autobot team. The, I wrote Auto Boot Team. That's a first. That's like, a new one. Uh, what are you Canadian? <laughs> uh, the animation in this fight is great. Yeah, I, we discussed at the top. This has got to be so far top three animated episodes, and I probably won. Probably yeah, number one. Toe eyes the hit their stride. We're back from commercial. I'm sure it'll disappoint us later. Megatron is Megatron is fingering Autobots all over the place. <laughs> okay. We've got Cliff Jumper. He initiates the attack, but one by one, Blue Streak, Ironhide, Brawn, Ratchet, Huffer, Windchiger, Windchiger, Windchiger. <laughs> They're all popped by Megatron's manicure. They get wicked injured. And I had I don't especially this scene with Ratchet with Ratchet the Ratchet gets popped and his yeah and then this scene of Huffer driving toward the camera is pretty awesome yeah and that's he gets good hit in the tire it's good animation spins out yeah then there's a lizard it's an iguana for no reason <laughs> they're in the jungle <laughs> don't forget where we are yeah, yeah. I don't know why maybe Debbie South Wise America just loves he like animals. shoots the igu- all of a sudden you see the iguana get shot. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe he hates animals. <laughs> One of the two. Smokescreen helps Prime recover. He'll be okay, but Smokescreen needs to help buy us some time with one of his patented smoke screens. It is a little strange that, and I'm not mad about it or anything, but that Prime gets up from an area that's completely different from where he fell. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's just more of that fingertip physics we did, that we, we don't want to talk about. Start to see more Autobots that didn't seem to be with them showing up like Smokescreen. <laughs> Yes, that's true. All, lots of extra Autobot cars and characters. While Megs is muddled by the smokescreen, the Autobots muster some might. They give everything they've got at the mountaintop, causing an avalanche that buries the Decepticons. That what? should hold them for a while. What do you think the other Decepticons were doing during this fight? Because it's all Megatron. I so guess they thought they didn't. Out. he didn't need their help. I, just, I like the idea that Starscream's like, no, nobody help him. <laughs> I have to say, I can taste the absinthe, but it is the most pleasant absinthe experience. Yeah, ever. you got to be careful with it. You got to treat it. <laughs> it's got to be like napalm, or uh, not napalm, nitroglycerin. I mean, you should be careful with these things. It's true. Don't give it to kids in case anybody who's listening thinks that the, the alcohol in the show is I had for like kids. 28 drinks, <laughs> and then I decided that, wait a minute, this is, kids shouldn't drink this. <laughs> it's kind of the same line of logic. Autobots. Mm hmm. They return to their Portland headquarters. They just left the Decepticons. So this will hold them for a while. By the mountain. They return, and it's time for Perceptor to get to work, but not before some brawn dickery. But Primus had it, Brawn. Leave Percy alone, or you're going to answer to him. I do like how Prime called that out. Also, now we see that Wheeljack was with him, I guess. <laughs> mm hmm. And I, and I guess that the reason Perceptor has to step up as a medical officer now is because 
ratchet and wheel jack uh, are or both damaged. Damaged, right? Uh, it, it does come back later, um, and it's more obvious in the script. This is a weird one when, when we get to script deviations. It'll become more clear, but um, it's really much more clear in the script what's going on. And because right here, Prime says, "Start with wheel jack. I'll need him for something." Which that something becomes the force field, right? But yeah, I, I assume which is a really is dumb dip. story element that didn't need to exist. We're, I'm getting ahead of us. Yep, that's fine. Optimus Prime and Teletran are going to use a force field to temporarily stop Megatron's progress, and that's uh, I, is I, that what they're saying? I didn't at this scene right here. I think that yeah. Well, I think that they're. The idea is they're setting what, what Prime's idea is is to make a force field, but mm-hmm. he doesn't have a plan after that. Like it's, it's right. pretty clear it's and not going to work forever. And it's a tiny force field. That is weird. It's, later, it's it's shelter, is, we'll see. when I was watching that, and you know, I about halfway, I just pay about half attention to what I'm when I'm watching this, mm-hmm. and I, I was like, why are they? What are, what are they? Are, are they protecting something under the force field? And then I was yeah. like, the force field generator. It's the size just, of a beach umbrella. Yeah, and I was like, they're they're just protecting like themselves yeah but it's but to what end and so much engineering went into that tiny little yeah i think right here teletran one does say this won't stop megatron (laughs) it's it's actually saying yeah it's actually saying why are you doing this so prime is kind of banking on the fact that somebody else will have a better plan to back up this force field plan because (laughs) this force field plan's not going to get the job done (laughs) by the way it's a really cool scan of autobot headquarters and I really like the image that is on the screen. It's a super cool, almost mid-century yeah. looking computer image. Mm-hmm. But the thing I was going to call out is they still haven't fixed all these other broken monitors that are oh, in the yeah. headquarters. I wonder if they're just windows, though. They're, they're, they were windows. Oh, okay. But they just still never, they but just leave them broken. I don't think you need to fix it. Just there's rock behind it. <laughs> no, I understand. I guess you don't need to, but aesthetics, man. I would it's like to perk everybody up I if just, you fix it up. I'd knock out the glass. I just, you know, I just or just hang a curtain over it, have tidy it covered. It up. It. Yeah, you, you've seen my house. You know, I don't give a shit about things like that. <laughs> yeah, but but you you're but you are not them, or maybe he is, and that no, explains everything about that's the Autobots. Right. <laughs> ah, interesting. Happy birthday! Yeah, yay! <laughs> the Decepticons are now dug out from their rocky jail. Megatron commends Prime's tactics, but is only postponing the inevitable, and that's all that scene's for. Yep. <laughs> We pretty rapidly cut back. We go back to Autobot base. Perceptor is hard at work. His circuit shrinky growy device is working at max capacity to fix power glide. You've got Optimus Prime, Bumblebee, Brawn. They enter the room. Unfortunately, we're going to divert all power to the force field generator for now. After some sharp words from Brawn, Perceptor reveals a more creative plan. Use his shrinky machine to shrink some people down. Get inside Megatron. Rip the heart of Cybertron out of him. Mm-hmm. Optimus Prime is down. You got Bumblebee, Perceptor, Brawn. That's the strike team. Accomplish the mission with maybe a little assist from Power Glide. Mm-hmm. Load it up in the hall, and away we go. Yep. I don't have anything else to say about that scene. <laughs> That's the plan. More Braun Dickery. Yeah, he's keeps he's really nailing down that character. The thing I like about this is Perceptor never uh, really back. addresses. He never snaps back, and he also doesn't really take offense to any of it. No, he really is like a water off his back. Yeah, I think that's really cool that... Uh, I think it's a cool message that you don't have to respond to anybody. It is a nice touch. I liked that too. When they so the little guys, they have Brawn, B, and Perceptor have been shrunk, and they're in this box. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't there be like a seat or some straps? Nope. How are they going to keep from just rattling around in there? <laughs> it's true. 
I, uh, and then we, this is where we get the classic Prime gif of him giving the thumbs up dr- down the barrel of the camera. And they get yeah, they load them into, into Power the, Glide's weapons. Did they have to make it a square box so he could fire out of his square projectile? I guess I holders. <laughs> At first, I thought they put him in the in, in, in his engine, in, in the back of the engine. <laughs> it's bl- getting blown out the back. I do like the journey that they take inside Megatron's body. Okay, this is an iconic scene, and we need. I think we need to capture some audio grabs from this. Oh, I'd, I'd like to use some of these audio grabs now to introduce uh, our drinking segment. <laughs> I love this whole sequence. This, this is spoilers. My iconic moment. I think this this stuck out in my head as a kid, and I didn't even know what being drunk was, but I knew it's, that they were fucked up. It's interesting that they proceeded with showing intoxicated characters on the show because. I would think that there would be a that would have been like an issue, an ethics issue, promoting like. Nah, man, this is the eighties. This is during the time when alcoholism was funny. <laughs> I'm surprised that they didn't just have the, the Decepticon snorting powdered energon off of each other's backsides. It, <laughs> wow, um, it doesn't. Uh, re- they could have like shockwave with his big tits, <laughs> snorting it off there. Um, it doesn't. I'm not that upset. It does distract me and kind of irritate me that they're drinking out of the cubes on the flat side instead of the corner, but it's fine. <laughs> like, it would just pour all over their fucking face. That's true. I wish they'd shown that. <laughs> I love that idea. Uh, they're definitely still in South America, but it's painted like they're in the in, southwest of in, North America. Yeah, in yeah. Mesa, Arizona. But uh, it ain't nothing but a gangsta party up in here, fellas. These fools are getting turnt on some of that fermented energon. And their drunken buffoonery is the perfect opportunity for Powerglide, who fires the payload containing B, Brawny, and Brainy, and it lands on Megatron's chest. The teeny crew makes their way into Megatron's pores just as Powerglide is discovered. Megatron fires, he misses, he commands his crew to go after him, but they can barely get off the ground. He says, never mind, I'll handle it myself. And meanwhile, we'll, we'll go inside Megatron's body, the trio will be searching for the heart of Cybertron. They've got two hours to find that shit before the shrank wears off. I, I have so much to say about what you just covered. Yep. Um, okay, so Starscream says, Energy! We won't need to conserve it after tomorrow. We can bleed this planet dry! And I guess presumably it's because Megatron is so powerful. Yeah. I, I, I guess that's the implication. I have a hard time following that logic as well. Drunk Decepticons are so great. I like where Megatron says, <laughs> Those were the good old days back on Cybertron. Didn't have to sneak around in these ugliest disguises. Good old Cybertron. Land of the Metal Moon. Land of the Metal Moon. <laughs> Is that what he says? Yes. We, we should make a drink called the Metal Moon. Oh, I should have for this episode, but I didn't. It's okay. Decepticons, attack! <laughs> I love seeing Laserbeak wobbly flip over and eat dust. Laserbeak was hammered too. <laughs> I'll finish the Autobots myself! He's kind of terrifying. He's like a... He's, a super powerful drunk Megatron. That's yes. I would not want to go up against that. They, they use energy. Uh, well, there's a couple of things I want to address. 
the whole Starscream line, I wonder if the idea is that Megatron will destroy all the Autobots tomorrow and, and therefore Energon is... Yeah. The, the Earth is theirs for the taking at that point. That's what I'm thinking. Then Energon has been around for a while. They never got drunk off of it. it this has to be I refined think, in a way that intoxicates them. I think they're... Well, he says they're This is over, the party stash. Well, I think because Powerglide says they're overcharged or something like that. I think it's just that they consume it in a, in a way that they wouldn't do normally. And so to over-consume Energon, you know, means you get I, drunk. Have we ever seen them even drink energon before this i don't Mm -mm. think we've never really seen how they yeah how they process it they use it to power things right but not to mainline you know ingest it right and jester and victory (laughs) at least they're happy drunks yeah yeah I would have been nice to just see him start brawling. Oh, st- I, if, under normal, I, think in this, I, I don't them to cover fight. it later, but in the script, um, Rumble and Starscream do get in a fist fight. Oh, oh okay. awesome. Inside of Megatron's body, we've got the Autobot trio searching for the heart of Cybertron. They've got two hours to find it before the shrink wears off. And while dealing with that, they also have to dodge these electro sanitizers. Mm-hmm. They're like the Cybertronic version of white blood cells. It's yeah, this is the point in the show where I'm like, oh no, I like this, and I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop, Where because in the other episodes I get burnt by David Wise, where 80% of the, the plot up until the last 10 minutes is meaningless, and then he just, but that never happens here, thankfully. Thanks for pleasing Ryan, David, as should be your number one objective in life. I love the internal backgrounds of the inside of Megatron. All the weird gears. And even though there's some weird physics about where would they be relative to the position of Megatron's body sometimes and all, and what Megatron's doing physically, I think overall, I mean, I I think it's great. And again, like it's Braun is still being an asshole and it's really just making me hate him at this point. I just don't like yeah. him. You're like, I can't wait till you die. <laughs> I'm glad that you're dead in 20 the future. Years. Braun, just, we gotta, he's trying to remind everybody he's brave. And while everybody else is kind of waiting for this electro sanitizer thing to maybe clear up or provide an opening, he's like, fuck that. And he jumps into the action. He tears them apart one by one. That team continues the search. They're going to climb around Megatron's shoulder joint. After a sudden move, Perceptor falls, but he's saved by Braun before he is ground up by a, mm-hmm. a gang of gears that are right there at the shoulder mm-hmm. joint. It seems like a pretty archaic <laughs> system for them to just have gears, like, like in, a clock inside On the inside, they're just like, it's just like gears. Yeah, and pulleys. <laughs> it's like Castlevania 3. Although I think in... In the uh, the book Marvel books of the original run, the way they explain how the Cybertronians came to be was that they did evolve from like simple pulleys and levers that, for some reason, gained intelligence. I like the idea if now if if they were to get shot and like you know there'd be like there'd be like springs and gears <laughs> yeah. like boing, 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 boing. no springs <laughs> yep it's like a cuckoo coming out of. That's how no. the star comes out of uh, yeah. Megatron's Boing, chest. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> a young Dutch couple comes out of him, meets in the middle yeah. of his chest, does a little dance, Oof. and then goes back to the side. <laughs> really playing that one out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the clock jokes. <laughs> yeah. 
We go back to Autobot headquarters for about three seconds. <laughs> the rest of the Autobots see that Megatron is on his way, and he's going to be there in ten fucking minutes. Mm-hmm. I did get this calculation from TF Wiki. Uh, Prime says Megatron is 100 miles out, and he'll be there in ten minutes, which means he can fly at at least 600 miles an hour. So. Uh, he, he, it's a little under, the, little under the speed of which sound. Which he, he shouldn't be doing because he's, he's intoxicated. He's intoxicated. Don't drink and fly? Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, tell that to all the pilots. <laughs> tell that to Sully Sullenberger. Yeah. You think he was drunk? Yeah, he was on that gray goose. Shots full, God. <laughs> Fired at America's sweetheart. <laughs> Captain Sully. Uh, sometimes people just need to be taken down a peg. God, that reminds me. I had a dream that I was hanging out with Tom... Hanks, who was doing, who was like uh, hosting the Tonight Show, that was weird. Uh, That's anyway. cool though. Sounds really cool. It was. How was he? He was just like you want him to be. All right. Yeah. <laughs> On my dick. No, no, Aaron, not sex. The tiny trio continue the search inside Megatron's body. They must have made a wrong turn by Albuquerque because <laughs> they are at Megatron's neck and ultimately find their way to his brain and Braun wants to bash it but they hold him off. That That's too dangerous. Yeah, my first instinct was we'll do it but they come when we come back from commercial in a second they'll explain why not. It feels like they're walking around inside Unicron. I have that note later. That's another thing where I thought it's a, it, it maybe was a touch that that made it to the movie. Yeah. The internal defense mechanisms, mm-hmm. yeah. just, just the, even some of the visual, the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's well lit inside of Megatron. That's <laughs> true. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't want him just stumbling around in the dark in there. <laughs> Why didn't we bring a flashlight? <laughs> We're going to go back to Autobot headquarters. The force field is ready, but it's only going to work for five minutes. <laughs> I don't well, get this at all. I don't get it. I don't get what the stra- like. It does. It should cover the whole arc when, in actuality, all it covers is, is Prime, and Wheeljack. Prime and Wheeljack. <laughs> Prime develop. We know who the most important Autobots so are. So Prime's plan is to build uh, a, a force field to protect himself from right. Megatron. Right. For five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> It's the dumbest, weirdest. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a good thing that they just got it finished because Megatron is here right now. Autobots move out inside Megatron. Oh Braun, my God. Braun Autobots is continuing. Move outside of the force field. <laughs> yeah, this is my force field. You've got Wind Charger and who else? Cliff Jumper with them. They're getting popped by Megatron's fingertip fire. <laughs> inside Megatron, Braun is continuing his plan <clears throat> to unplug Meg's brain, but they're thwarted. Because Megatron's brain impulses, which look like robotic demon sperm, are coming at them and keeping them from doing that. Perceptor realizes they can hitch a ride on these impulses to ride to the heart of Cybertron. Evil brain impulses. <laughs> yep. <laughs> ride to the... You kind of skipped over it com- like completely as we were talking, but like all the fighting outside again is really awesome. Like it's There's a animation. lot of shadows, uh, like Warpath's shell toward Megatron, and Megatron's hand, like the yeah. close-up yeah. of his hand That's firing very, is yeah. really good. Well, even the, the animation of the plasma bursts or whatever mm-hmm. they are themselves They're, are just amazing. It's a mixed amazingly level. It's, well drawn. it's like it's it, anime cal- caliber. I, I don't think this is a big deal, and I won't belabor it, but Perceptor says the reason that the orientation they're in in his body implies Megatron is flying, uh, mm-hmm. but sh- it should technically rotate 90 degrees when he lands, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also whenever he... they Perceptor says the reason for not 
for letting Braun destroy his Megatron's brain is if Megatron falls while he's flying, it'll uh, the heart of Cybertron could detonate. Um, mm. But then he definitely lands. So right. do it then. <laughs> right. But they just might anyway. Pull yeah, it off. I just mentioned it. It doesn't. Re- I'm not ma- upset about it. it no, but- not me neither. The boys ride the impulses. I love that scene where they're riding the evil impulse. It's one of my favorite things ever. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. How do we? What is a headline for that gif? Oh fuck! I don't know. Of them just riding the impulse. Ride the snake. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Ooh. do something. I think it's. Maybe it's like loopable. Loopable. It's like giddy up or <laughs> yeah. something like that. Yeah, ride him, cowboy. Or... <laughs> so the boys get to the heart. Perceptor starts to disconnect the heart. He's dodging the impulses. I guess one of them injures him because he gets knocked to the ground. Mm-hmm. There's one wire left. He stretches. He can't quite reach it as far as he can. And then we shift over to Megatron, who destroys the force field. And he's going to move in for the kill, Optimus Prime and Wheeljack. He reaches out his fingers and nothing. Mm, what? what? It is kind of strange how difficult, what kind of difficulty Perceptor has t- destroying these wires. It's not really well explained that the impulses are kind of preventing him from doing it. Also, Braun and B aren't doing shit. Right. No. <laughs> Why does Perceptor have to be the guy that, d- that does that? He's got the expertise. There's three to guys. To rip well, wires in half. Yeah. yeah. But even when the one where he's stretching, like Braun could just be like, here, and hand it to him. Just shoot your little laser microscope at it. That's true. (laughs) It's fine. They're they're showing his value. Now I hate this episode. They're showing his value. If he wouldn't have been there, they wouldn't have known what to do. This is another instance where we have a force field that explodes like it's a glass dome. Mm Mm-hmm. What a useless plan that Optimus Prime had. <laughs> he's just buying him to- he's just buying Perceptor time. I guess Ratchet was also under that force field, so <laughs> now for some reason. I like Megatron's little fingertip urethras. <laughs> the little holes. Yeah, he's got little yeah. holes in his finger for shooting those <laughs> finger holes. <laughs> That would have been funnier if he would have like tried to shoot and it was just kind of in like a drip. I think that's the name uh, of this. A pussy oh, drip. No. Oh. It's infected? Yeah. Oh, he's got finger STD. The tiny triad is running for escape. The shrink is wearing off, and they got to get out fast. They make it out just as they return to full size. It, it is interesting because this, where they're running down the corridor out of his body, is not only a version of the outrun the fireball trope, but it's very reminiscent of what we'll see later in Unicron. Yeah. Yes. I like, for some reason, it cracks me up when they, they, sh- they show... Megatron's shoulder, and then they zoom in real quick, and you see him like <laughs> running. Like I don't know, this part's funny to me. <laughs> I don't know why I found it. Why, why didn't they hop out of that gap when they showed them? I do think I, I find it really humorous when they're running out of him and they, they're getting bigger and bigger, and they're still like running on top of him. <laughs> Megatron is super pissed. And immediately con- retreats. You filthy retro rats, which is, it feels like another kind of primordial reference in Transformers the movie. Retro rabbits, retro rats. It gets pet- isn't it Petro Rab? I don't remember. You're it, yeah, right. but you, the heart. You're saying. The heart is destabilizing. Finally, it's destabilizing. It's going to explode faster than Red Alert's horns. Perceptor transforms and and he tracks it. Does he fire it? He fires it, right? Yeah, he explodes. He it. loads it up in himself. No, Braun throws it. Braun oh, throws Braun throws it. it Two thousand miles. 
Perceptor transforms and tracks it at the 2,000 mile mark. He and fires a rocket that destroys the heart. I have a, some math here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yes, he, ex- he, he explodes the heart at about 2,000 miles up, which is 3,200 kilometers, which is just a little higher than low Earth orbit, which is about 1,200 miles, which is where most man-made satellites are. So who knows what that explosion took out. But um, like all crude, it's the same level that all crude space stations are underneath at like a 1,200-mile mark. Um, if Braun had thrown at that velocity, the heart would have been in, probably been incinerated from just the friction of getting it up there or uh, the compression of the, of the atmosphere getting it up there. But the, the time scale and what Perceptor's tracking it at, that thing is moving at 720,000 miles an hour. That's awesome. <laughs> according to his count. Impressive. The space shuttle leaves Earth at 18,000 miles an hour. Fucking Randy Johnson over here. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I found that stuff interesting. It no, it is. It is. There's no, there, uh, also, just no human spacecraft have been beyond tw- uh, low Earth orbit since the Apollo mission ended in 72. It's all going to change, though, here in a couple of years. I hope so. The Artemis mission. Let's all get on that mission. Moon what if we did this from space? That'd be awesome. I can't wait to go to space. I'm hoping to go before I die. You realize we just saved Megatron's life? And Braun pipes in. Somebody saved all our lives. And anybody who doesn't think Perceptor is a hero will answer to me. Yeah. It's, a, it's heavy-handed. Aww. I knew that was going to happen, but it's, it's still... Eh, whatever. I really liked this episode, though. Yeah. So if they were playing Ships from a Hat, for the second time they drew the... Autobots don't get along, but are best buddies by the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Prompt. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, the animation, in addition to being great, this plot was straightforward and made sense. Mm-hmm. Not like some kind of fucking solar satellite and then stealing a rocket and ripping a door off that would definitely <laughs> make it unflyable. Ugh, I hated that episode. <laughs> anyway, that was another David Wise script. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious if that Decepticon ship, it never really... Plays in again. Plays in yeah. again. Yeah. They're just those archaeologists are sitting there like, how did the Mayans have this ship? <laughs> Which <laughs> they're just like confused. You know. It might. I I don't know for sure that it doesn't play in again because David Wise writes a lot more scripts. There's like five more that he does. Um, you'd at least think you'd call back your own shit, but yeah. You know. I mean, I would use. I would take full advantage of that. Yeah. Well, this seems like a good, we're at the end of the episode, so we might as well transition into David Wise a little bit. As we've spoken of in previous episodes, we, we know he'd be recycling. Yes. And mm-hmm. according to TF Wiki, much of this episode's plot was lifted from the He-Man episode called Day of the Machines, which is an episode he also drew inspiration for and dialogue for the Transformers and episodes, <laughs> Crimzeek. And Day of the Machines. <laughs> so he takes single episodes and like branches them out into sure. multiple different just directions. Do it, just do it, yeah. Uh, Paul Eating. I don't think we well, called him out. Go ahead. He al- he also recycled this episode for the third time in the 1987 tra- uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode, Shredder and Splintered. So he got a lo- he got a lot of bites out of this apple. Way, mm-hmm. way to go. We also, from a voice acting perspective. We didn't actually introduce Paul Eating. I think I missed mentioning him when he did introduce himself a few episodes back, but it wasn't as featured of a of a performance as this. 
but we've covered him certainly during the movie and his his contributions to Transformers, Metal Gear, and the Ben 10 franchises. Ryan, you may be interested to know uh-huh. that Paul Eating was in an episode of Cheers. He played the role of Fred Anderson in the episode Relief Bartender. In case you're wondering, he is not the titular relief bartender, but he was in I'm guessing he was a random bar fly. Yeah. He was he was the, he was a person that came in as a setup for probably some kind of joke line. Is right. that in season is that season five I don't know. six episode one? Which <laughs> if it is <laughs> Wow. So well specific, I just know that when specific. it was I think it was a season opener. Because that's the one I got the Screaming Viking from. Oh, interesting. It's also the first one with Kirstie Alley where they Is were... it called Relief Bartender? I don't know. Okay. Our... Well, no, and there's no way to find work. out. <laughs> we'll only find out if a listener comes at us and tells us. Except I think that none of our listeners watch Cheers. Ooh, you should. It's that, great. That's a challenge to the listeners. <laughs> it's a great show. He was also in the Liaisons episode of Star Trek The Next Generation... And in an episode of APDC favorite, Perfect Strangers. Mm. Cousin Larry. As f- <laughs> Wow. Mm. Was that Perceptor as a uh, somebody from Meepos? Just a bad impersonation. Bad Balky. Yep. As far as Transformers go, Perceptor was the only key character that Paul did. He voiced a few communicator, journal recording type roles, uh, as well as such featured roles as Old Man. <laughs> Scrawny and Zebop Skanana from oh, Carnage and C wow. Minor. Okay. Oh, that's going to be a good one. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Is that a it. season three thing? Mm-hmm. It'll be so much fun. I think so. That's season three, right? Or is it season it's gotta two? has got to be. That's got to be we'll a be season like, three I think it is. character. We'll like, at that point, we're like... We'll be in the season three of our lives by the time yeah, we we'll, get to that. We'll, be, we'll get that AARP mm. discount. <laughs> Well, let's go uh, in the real world. All right. Microbots aired October 7th, 1985 uh, in the American Top 40. Some jerk or something. Was it number one? Dark Straits. So I picked a song. <laughs> Still money for nothing. Well, this, well, it's not like we're moving along. At they're at five. I mean, we're, episodes are five. We're doing five episodes a week. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I picked a song I not only like, but also has a really interesting story. You belong to the city. Uh, written by Jack Templeton and Glenn Fry of the Eagles. Do you know this song, what I'm talking about? You belong to the city. Okay, yep. got that sexy sax man sax they they put that song in the, uh, at least one one commercial like you belong to the night or it's like it's a pepsi night or <laughs> like i don't remember that i'm going fi- to find it uh the song peaked at number 2 behind starships we built this city on the us billboard hot 100 chart uh it was written specifically for the show miami vice yep. 
and this is crazy, but in addition to the Miami Vice theme, which the, this song propelled the Miami Vice soundtrack to the top album spot on the Billboard 200 for 11 weeks in 1985, making it the best-selling album of the year. Wow. Although Wikipedia does say citation needed after that, so I, don't, I didn't dig too much into it. Okay. In the music video, this is from the Wikipedia page, the notes of the introductory saxophone riff are played as Fry, who does not sing during the entire video, which I guess means lip sync or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, sits in his apartment in New York, looking out the window and smoking. Elsewhere, a woman prepares at home for a night on the town. She has Miami Vice playing on the television. This goes on for several more paragraphs, which it breaks down the entire video in detail. I'm like, what kind of maniac would choose to spend time intricately documenting pop culture shit it were wait a minute well mm. glenn fry died on january 18th 2016 from complications of rheumatoid arthritis acute oh. ulcerative colitis and pneumonia jesus he had all that shit uh number one at the box office was still commando so um god i would i know by the time this airs halloween will be over and santa will be poking his big fat candy cane down thanksgiving's ass but Today's my birthday, and we're going to talk about another horror movie from 85 that I love, which I would get, realized I mentioned last episode, Silver Bullet. Have you guys seen Silver Bullet? I don't think so. It's a Corey Haim Mm-mm. werewolf movie. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, it stars Corey Haim, Gary Busey, Everett McGill, and Megan Follows, and from IMDb says, In a small town, brutal killings start to plague the close-knit community. Marty Coleslaw, which is a funny name to pronounce, mm-hmm. a paraplegic boy, is convinced the murders are the doings of a werewolf. Gary Busey plays Marty's alcoholic, shiftless uncle who builds him this, like, gas-powered tricycle motorcycle, like, wheelchair thing. It's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. It's one of those movies that was not very well received and has kind of gained a, a cult following, which I, I... This is one I can watch, like, over and over, just throw it on while I'm doing something else. They let Gary Busey ad-lib most of his lines after doing the scripted ones and ended up using his takes for most of it. Uh, it was based on the 1983 Stephen King novella, Cycle of the Werewolf, and he was also involved with the director. And basically, it sounds like they had final cut because it was produced by D- D- uh, Donald De Laurentiis, mm-hmm. who also Transformers produced the Transformers the Movie. Mm-hmm. And Bill and Ted's Excellent and Adventure. he hated the werewolf <laughs> that they used in the, in the film. Uh, and it's not particularly scary, but basically King and the director wanted a nondescript werewolf, and they got it. It looks more like a bear, honestly. But uh, anyway, I still love it. It made a little money. Is it a figure-out-who-the-werewolf-is kind of movie? Is kinda, it a Scooby-Doo mystery? Kind of, yeah. I think you, it's hard for me to say, because I've seen it since I was a kid, I think you can figure out pretty quickly who it is. Uh, it made a little money, 12.4 on a $7 million budget. You can also figure out pretty quickly who the bad guy is in the Scooby-Doo. It's the guy who's not the Scooby-Doo gang. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only other person. 100% of the time, it's Don Knotts. They always had, those people always made really, really convincing costumes, though. <laughs> I know. Yeah, they had a lot, and also special effects knowledge. Yeah. How co- they never got a... It's downright a, magic. They never got an Emmy for that. You should be a costume designer. Instead of running this old theme park. This rickety warehouse or whatever. You sure go into a lot of trouble to scare people off. Uh, Fun facts from this week in history. In my increasingly loose interpretation of my own segment, uh, I realized the day of this release, 10-7-85, was the 160th anniversary of the death of the grandfather of American short stories, horror, mystery, and the macabre, and the inventor of detective fiction, Edgar Allan Poe. 
His was, he did not have a happy life. Uh, he was 40 years old when he died. Uh, he died mysteriously in a Baltimore hospital. He was found in an alley, and the cause of his death is still a mystery. He was found delirious, walking the streets of Baltimore, wearing someone else's clothes, and was taken to a hospital where he died four days later on October 7th without recovering his senses. Some people believe he was a victim of cooping, which is whenever they kidnap people and force them to wear disguises to vote multiple times. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was very common. I mean, <laughs> really? You, you wow. Can, you can see it in gangs in New York. They do that. Oh. Huh. Uh, he was found delirious on election day outside a pub that served as a polling place. It was also a practice of the day to give the, drinker, the voter a mm. drink after voting. Uh, and Poe and his sister were known to have a very low tolerance for alcohol. Hmm. That's so. amazing. Do you guys think we'll go to TFCon Baltimore? Would that be a plan of ours, I provided know. the I, world is opened maybe. up? Yeah, I, 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 I have not either. I would like to think that we could go at that point, but I, you know what? I don't even know anymore. I, I don't know what's... <laughs> no real. predictions. No, I would like to. God, have you seen that new trailer for the new Michael Bay movie where COVID has mutated and we now are in four years of lockdown? That's That's real that's that's a movie i'm sure it's visually stunning Mm. it 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 looks good but um that's like i don't want to watch that that's depressing as hell too soon well i maybe if we go to baltimore we can do an edgar Allan poe themed pub tour or something like that Mm -hmm. i'd love to do that i'm just a thought well let's do a little thing that we like to call (laughs) excellent Written by our friend David Wise, as we mentioned. Um, this is a unique script so far because the one online is only the original one with no Ron Friedman edits. Hmm. Uh, so when Braun is giving, <clears throat> his first giving Perceptor shit at, uh, for not doing any real work, Perceptor points out, like he does in the show, that with his without his ability to repair circuits, they couldn't fight Decepticons at all. And then Braun resorts to an ad hominem attack and says, So what? You can't even drive. <laughs> <laughs> But then Perceptor says, I can't run out of gas either. Ooh. Mm, snappy. In this show, bitch, that, that we see, this yeah. is just replaced by Braun saying, bah. <laughs> uh, we did talk about how they call it the heart of Cybertron and the star drive. I missed that in the show, but it's called that in the, in the script a couple of times. Um, in the, in the, during the initial fight with the Autobots, Starscream does try to join the fight, but Megatron raises his arm and says, I can handle these junkyard rejects myself. So he's like, nobody help me. Uh, the damage Megatron causes to the Autobots in that first attack is way more brutal in the script and definitely has overtones of the attack on the shuttle in the movie. Hmm. I don't know why David Wiley thought this would be appropriate for a children's show. Nobody dies, but Ironhide is in the fight and gets his whole chest exploded and charred, smoking and blackened. It says in the script, Ironhide looks like a piece of bread that was left in the toaster too long. (laughs) Blue Street gets an arm and a leg shot off. Cliff Jumper gets limbs blasted off. Wind Charger is cut in half and Ratchet has to pick him up and then go retrieve his legs. (laughs) Good Lord, what a massacre. Yeah. It makes more sense in the script and then in the show why so few Autobots come out to defend against Megatron's attack on the Ark because they do say it takes it's going to take days to repair them, but it's not really reiterated. And in the script, Prime says, there are 30 damaged Autobots, and there are only five of us left to defend against Megatron. 
So, um, Mr. Wise even addresses the fact they could have destroyed Megatron's brain once he lands, but just as about to do so, it's more clear in the script that the evil impulses, impulses keep them from getting to the brain. Mm. But, but we mentioned all that stuff about him, him recycling it, so yeah, that's, that's the script deviations. Well, how about... All right, so, okay, we can... We can... I am the ghost of the iconic moment! <laughs> you know? I would say... I know I like yours, Aaron. Actually, I, it, it's a good one. I went with the boys riding the evil brain impulse. <laughs> yeah, both the inner drunk scene is not as gifable because you need audio. Yeah, to yeah. make it work, but it's still great. I mean, the image of Thundercracker just falling over on his <laughs> side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and watching Laserbeak crash land <laughs> into the ground. Very funny. <laughs> yeah, I remember that as a kid, being like, "Oh my god." <laughs> This I didn't know that that was going to creep up in this episode. I knew it was it was a thing that was going to happen at some point, yeah. but I didn't. Was, so when it happened, mm. I was just like, "Oh, this is the one." The, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Let's read the scheme. I will say it's the Decepticons' scheme is pretty straightforward and good. They see the ship and they go get it. It's real basic, you know. Yeah. The Autobot response <laughs> is varied. Optimus's plan is weird and <laughs> and terrible. It doesn't work without Perceptor's plan. Yes, and he, it doesn't even. It's not even like a plan. I don't no. even know what it means. It feels like you would need the Dis- Perceptor plan first, and then build on that with the Optimus plan. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just be like, "I'll make a shield that will barely do anything." That doesn't It'll slow him down for five minutes against me. It'll protect. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, I rated this pretty high. I mean, it, it, it almost worked. It's a good plan. Um, having Using the heart of Cybertron, they avoided that overpower him to the point of exploding trope. Um, so I'd give it like a 9 out of 10. Yeah. It's not bad as, as far as <laughs> these things go. The I like how straightforward it is. I still think Decepticons would have acted a little sooner to find their old ship, and I, but still pretty good. I thought the Autobots, until Caleb keeps pointing out that, yeah, I guess this is, it does, it is silly. I didn't think they were idiots in this one like they are in so many other ones, but they, no. they, they don't have good plans, the, the, really, except just, for Perceptors. It's just, it's just, it's just, Optimus's plan is just odd to me. Very odd. Especially since it turns out the shield just covers three dudes. That's, yeah, if, if it covered all of them, it, which I don't know why they just wouldn't do that, it seems to make more sense. I'm trying to think here. We've had a couple new dude feature episodes. You've had Red Alert. You've had these guys, Perceptor. This is is this the first introduction of a new character where the guy's actually a hero and not a dumb fuck? Maybe. Although he, it's not his introduction per se, but it is a showcase. But it's a feature. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Everybody else that gets a spotlight, they're dumb fucks. Yeah, I guess (laughs) so. Why are you introducing new characters these this way and not making them sympathetic at all? <laughs> I mean, I get we've seen Beachcomber, but his spotlight episode, I don't recall him being a problem. That was barely a spotlight episode. I no, think the gets, one we haven't seen yet, the Golden Lagoon. Right, right, right. So Perceptor is becomes a very featured character in the movie, obviously. Prompt. And I think onward. I think through season three as yeah. well. He I think Perceptor is a He's one of my job. favorite characters. Yeah. 
he's been kind of just a background nobody to me, but I'm looking forward to having that perception. That re-evalu- reevaluation yeah. and be like, you know, oh, you know, I, I'm yeah. sucking. Just like Ron. I mean, th- I mean th- I've revalued him <laughs> for sure. <laughs> he's a hero. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is a great introductor. I love that, that Bron-, Bron didn't rattle him. I liked that. Mm-hmm. And I liked that he legitimately I, had a good I, plan and it saved the day. I think it would have been an interesting twist if also the Decepticons had shrunk down and they were shrinking down and they went inside Prime's body to sabotage his brain. And when they got to his brain, there was nothing there. <laughs> it was just empty. And they, so their plan was foiled because there was nothing inside there for them to destroy. It was just an old cathode tube television screen with yeah. John Wayne movies going off yeah. in the background. And they just like they look out of his eyes at what's going on and just shrug <laughs> like, oh, Plan, you know. Are you farting? What's no, it's, happening? it's, it's, chair. it's okay. this chair that you yeah. gave me. It's a creaky chair, and I'm trying not to creak it, it's but okay. it creaks. It's not that bad. Okay, sorry. Somebody did fart in here at one point. It wasn't not I. Me. I did I not s- fart. I smelled it. It's not a fart. Ooh. <laughs> shit your pants. <laughs> oh boy. I went. I, whenever you were talking about uh, taking a steamer somewhere, <laughs> I was like, mm, don't mind if I do. Ooh. Is that going to Cleveland? All right. (laughs) Next time on the Autobot Decepticast. A new human adversary takes the field, and it turns out the Autobots have been evil villains this whole time. A real twist. Oh, this messed me up. Yeah, I I don't like it. I mean, I don't, it's not a, I don't hate the plot. It's just, it's hitting too close to home right now. Yeah. Anyway, more about that next time. If you'd like to support us, you can do it one of two ways via Patreon or through some merch at our APDC store. Check out the goods at our website or at patreon.com slash apoddcast. You can continue to listen to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Tune in if you're an Apple Podcast user. Please leave a review. More than one star is preferred, if at all possible. And follow us on our social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all of them at APODDCast. Visit the web presence at autopoddecepticast.com. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Like in June, it was open. Whitewater has been open all summer. Weird. I guess it is Branson. I think I was thinking Springfield had to, which had the stricter regulations. Ryan, will you be eating a donut? Because Melody brought these candles down so we could sing "Happy Birthday" to you and use a donut as the. I could have a piece of a donut. Okay. It's hard for me to eat. I have to force myself to eat. It's like so. It's he like, doesn't. He does not want to do that. Then I will do it for the ceremonial purposes. But uh, it's like, thank you. Um, like this morning, I just had a protein shake. It's kind of like pushing a boulder down a hill. Like I don't know, maybe across the surface and then down a hill with eating. There is if I can get force something into my body in the morning or like afternoon. Uh, that kind of will get it started, and then late throughout the day, I can start eating a little bit more. But I don't. Just, I wish I never had to eat. He just wanted to know if he wanted something for your <laughs> birthday. He didn't have to go on a whole like explanation of your eating issues. Okay, well, just having a conversation with my friend. <laughs>
So now I feel bad if we <laughs> serve you food. It, usually, like, in the evening, it's okay. So we should wait until then. <laughs> I'll come back. Well, yeah, guys, just be uh, about 5.30. Here, I'll, I'll just, get, I'll see get, you guys in a bit. I'll get a piece. <laughs> Bro Cells is the sponsor of Autopod Decepticast. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs>